at law school, corporate clerkship recruitment is considered to be especially demanding. Some of the dedicated lawyers who have survived this vicious process are part of an elite squad known as Allens. These are their stories. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another very special episode of Alan's Confidential. Uh, today is a particularly special episode. We're joined by Will Bertolow, who is a first-year grad in our litigation team. And the reason it's so special is that, well, sadly for me, it's my last episode with the podcast, but very happily for you and for Will. Will will be joining us as the new co-host moving forward. So a big welcome to Will. Thanks very much, Geneva. Very big shoes to fill this year on the podcast, but looking forward to it. Nice of you to say. And of course, I'm also joined by Caitlin, our sensational co-host who has been battling through COVID with me. So Caitlin, a big hello to you as well. Hello. Hello, everyone. It's very special to be here for this passing of the torch. It's a sad day, but a, a very exciting day as well. <laughs> it's bittersweet, it we is. might say. It is. Well, Will, do you want to give a little bit of a background on yourself? I mean, obviously, the first question we have to ask you is what podcast do you listen to? But feel free to speak a bit more about your background, like maybe what uni you went to, how you came to be at Allen's. Sure. So my podcasts are a bit embarrassing. I'm not a huge listener. Um, the more normal one that I listen to is You're Wrong About, which is just by two journalists in the US that kind of talk about, you know, social issues or historical events that you might have the wrong perception of or recall of. So kind of anything from like OJ Simpson to Lindy Chamberlain to just kind of current affairs or, you know, Princess Diana, things that are kind of going on that you might have misremembered in they tell in a very funny way. Um, but the, the more lame one is, this year, I watched the entirety of The West Wing twice uh, for, uh, in lockdown, and I then listened to the uh, accompanying podcast, which details one-hour episodes for all seven series for each single episode, um, and goes through with like special guests and just talks about you know very niche details of every part of The West Wing. So that was most of my year this year uh, listening to podcasts. But in terms of about me, I went to UNSW and I graduated at the end of 2019. I did an arts law degree, as many of the people that end up working here did. <laughs> I <laughs> true of me. <laughs> <laughs> and back in the day, me and Caitlin did the summer clerkship together at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. And I clerked through our disputes team, which is where I am now, and mergers and acquisitions. Since then, I worked as a paralegal for a few years here, mostly in our disputes team. And now I am a baby first year lawyer in our disputes team, having a great time. And next year, very excitingly, I'm going to be going on secondment to the Refugee Advice and Casework Service, which is a pro bono partner of ours at Allen's for six months before returning to a yet unnamed team. So yeah, that's that's pretty much me. Incredible. I One of the first questions I want to ask you is what were you most wrong about that you have listened to? And you're yeah. like, oh man, like I had no idea. There's a really good episode on this gorilla that learned sign language that I encourage you I know all about to that listen one. to. Do you? Oh, are you wrong about, that, about it? <laughs> no, I know about that gorilla. And, Am, have I been scammed? And like, it did not learn sign language. You have so been scammed you, for sure. You have to go listen to it. It is fascinating. Like the fact that it could tell jokes, you know, the fact that it communicated all was all kind How of How did just, they orchestrate this room? People just pretending like they're like, ah, oh, this funny joke that the well, gorilla was, told it me. It was like the footage that the trainer would share was highly edited and it <gasps> often was just mimicking what the trainer was doing to it. And oh my God. 
deep you know, it, it could, it was kind of like the way they explained it was kind of like how parrots imitate talking. Like they're not constructing sentences. They're just kind of just repeating what people tell to them. So it wasn't really ascribing meaning to the, like the language. The gorilla wasn't communicating in that sense, but it was communicating the way that people could understand that it wanted food or that, it, you know, it wanted, you know, a mm. hug or something, but it wasn't saying, you know, like telling jokes to people and stuff. Oh, I'm disappointed about it that. Okay. Yeah, no, it was very disappointing when I okay. learned about that. Yeah, everything I know is a lie. She actually looks hot. I believe I watched many hours of footage of that gorilla. (laughs) So, okay, that's Coco the gorilla. If you want to look it up, so yeah. Right, moving on. Um, well, we thought today that we would uh, run through some questions that we have been given from our wonderful clerks this year, all about uh, clerkships and starting out a law degree. Um, and so we thought, what better episode to do this on than um, the the passing of the torch, as I said. So we might think, uh, kick things off with our first question. Um if you had the chance to redo your law career from the start again, what would you do differently? Geneva, let's start with you. Let's start with me. My favourite thing ever, just giving unsolicited advice. Okay, today, I guess it's actually solicited, <laughs> but my day-to-day life, it's just pouring out of me. Um, if I had the chance to start over my law career, I would just, I think, chill out. Like you come in, guns are blazing. You think you've got so much to prove. You think that you actually have to prove it straight away. Like if by the first week you haven't solved a multi-million dollar litigation that somehow you're out on the streets, but it it isn't like that. And actually everyone here at Allen's, they want you to learn and they want you to enjoy yourself. And sometimes actually just putting the brakes on a little bit gets you there. You know, it, it helps you to really focus on what you're doing. If you take out some of the panic, you'll find you'll be enjoying the day a bit more. Um, so that would be definitely number one. And then I think the second point is I just, I would value more how important it is just to have a good attitude. I think, again, you come in and you think, oh my God, if I don't remember this like random case from 1989 that the high court handed down about mm-hmm. like contract interpretation, then I'm a failure. But actually like people know that you have a lot to learn because you, they've been doing a career for 20 years and you're just starting. So they know that. But what they want to know is that you're coming in with a good vibe and you're willing to learn, you're eager. Like that actually goes so far. So I think I would say to my younger, gentler, more naive self, like just know those things and carry them forward with you. Yeah, totally. I think that's such a good point. The attitude thing. It's I think after a year of being here as a junior lawyer, it's something single-handedly that is the biggest asset that you can bring to a team, which might be a little bit heartbreaking when you're at the end of five years of law school and you think you've got all this worldly knowledge and you're going to come barreling in here and like teach everyone what the new law is. It's going to be suits. You're going to come yeah. in and you're going to be Mike and you're like, I've got this memory and I know I saw this one thing once. Absolutely not. Like you have, if you have a smile on your face and you're willing to get stuck in and apply yourself, then you'll bring so much value um, just from that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was going to say if I, if I had the chance to redo my law career, I think, I don't think I would change a lot, but I think that I would probably back myself a little bit more. Um, I think that sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming or intimidating when you're in various different spaces, whether it be at uni or, you know, different kinds of work experience or part-time work or when you finally enter full-time workforce um, in law to use your voice, particularly if you feel more junior uh, because it can be quite hierarchical. Um, I think that um, what I've learned is that it doesn't matter what level anyone's at, um, using your voice in a productive way uh, to help other people understand different versions of Australia or different versions of the law um, is something that will always be 
um, formative um, to you and to people around you. So just to back yourself a bit more, I think. Yeah, so true. And I mean, I think so many of us come into careers like this and just are immediately stricken by imposter syndrome and you think no one else has ever felt the way that you feel and you were like a little island of despair and panic. But actually, like a lot of people have similar feelings. And I think the best thing you can do is really talk to people, you know, especially people in your cohort, because they're going through something similar. It's a big adjustment Mm. moving from uni into full-time work. You're tired a lot because you haven't had to have this sustained mental energy for that (laughs) level of time before. Um, And so I think now, again, I'm just continuing to give my unsolicited advice, but really lean on those friendships and those connections that you make, because I think it, it's a really big comfort as well as a help, but it'll just make you feel better and know that you're sort of all a team and in one spot together. Yeah, 100%. Totally. I mean, that kind of reminds me that a lot of those people that were really helpful for me in the clerkship were from very random places. Like they were the people in your law camp group that you kind of like run into at the pub every now and then, or, you know, down in the library, like they are people from student societies and people you don't actually see all that often. But I feel like sometimes when you're looking for like formal mentors to read over cover letters, it isn't going to be someone who immediately stands out. It's just those kind of connections you made along the way that were actually really useful to like rack their brain about what the interview is going to be like, or who a certain partner is that you're interviewing with. Those things I thought were really useful. Um, and I definitely go back and, and think about doing that more when I was applying in the clerkship process. Yeah, definitely. Well, okay. So we're talking about sort of at the beginning of the career. Let's let's think about now that we're in the career. <laughs> think back, cast your minds back to clerkships. It wasn't so long ago for you two. For me, slightly longer. Was there anything in that time that you regret having done or regret having not done, um, you know, when you were a summer clerk? So many things. Yeah, there, <laughs> there's an infinite list of springs to mind. But one of the things that I that that sprang to mind about maybe a regret, maybe a not regret. I'm not sure which category it fits in. Was this quite embarrassing story from my summer, my and Caitlin's summer clerkship <laughs> that I've only very recently fessed up to. <laughs> so in the disputes team, when uh, you're a summer clerk, you know they like to get everyone involved, and a lot of the juniors get together and uh, have to perform at the Christmas. Uh, disputes practice group lunch. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's supposed to be a very lighthearted affair. There was someone in our clerkship group who was totally their thing. So they kind of took control. They were like ready to come up with the song. They had the lyrics going. They've got the choreography. They've got the music. Loved it. Day of the performance at the practice group meeting, unnamed person emails around at midday being like, hey, guys, like, you know, I'm feeling a bit sick. I might head home at lunch and hands it unofficially over to me to deal with. That is a hospital. (laughs) And I immediately go into like a four-hour-long public breakdown about (laughs) the thought of having to pull this performance off in front of people I don't really know. And I'm trying to think of ideas like I'm texting my housemates being like, what do I do? Like, you know, I, I don't know how to pull this off. I don't think I can do this. And they're like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And I kind of resort to like TV tropes that are in my head being like, you know what, I'm going to fake a phone call and get out of here. <laughs> so very bizarrely, I'm like, okay, like what to my housemates, you're just going to have to call me and pretend our shower is leaking. I don't know why that was the excuse that was needed. Like, Yeah, would what? that lure you home? Yeah, would it There's lure me home? There's water coming out of the shower. <laughs> yeah, like, no one else can deal with it but you so I like walk out awkwardly into the lifts and like answer the phone weirdly where no one can hear me yeah there's me, no so one to verify that you need to leave exactly like I'm on the phone at my house it's just like I don't know what you want me to say to you like <laughs> to make this seem realistic and then like a minute later I walk back in like 
very red face being like, Hey guys, like, sorry, I have to like pick up my bags. Like shower's broken. I have to go home. And the grad opposite me is like, you absolute joker. There is no way this is real. And I send a quick message around to the rest of the clerks being like, Hey team, sorry, got to tuck out. Sorry, shower emergency. Best of luck. (laughs) Yeah. And I never told them that that was fictitious and uh, really, really until now. So if any of the clerks from 2017 are listening, you, I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't my fault. I freaked out. So, you just panicked. Yeah, I, I panicked. I panicked. I panicked. I am so <laughs> shook by the lack of team player attitude that you had in that instance. But more so that you thought that it was plausible that of all of the people that could help your housemate to fix a shower, they called you. Yeah, like you I, had some sort of plumbing background, or she was in the shower and she was like, "It's leaking. I better call Will." Also, the performance in the shower and it was leaking. Yeah. Morning, <laughs> quick. It's so wet. And then and then walking out to the lift area on the phone is my favorite as well. Yeah, like, like everyone on the floor was watching this Clark being like, oh, it must be another shower. Panic. <laughs> yeah. um, Look at that distress. I can see this is a genuine emergency. I love that. Yeah. I think that's an iconic admission. The execution was poor. It was I really the poor. idea had merit. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm glad for you that probation is over because yeah. the story really raises some he questions have, for me. Um, you should have put that on your disclosures for your legal admission. <laughs> yeah, that I is. was thinking about it. I deceived my colleagues <laughs> yeah. very early into my legal Brazenly career. And I just never fessed up (laughs) until I was on a public forum. Uh, Caitlin, what about you? Did you have any from back in the day? Um, I had one that's, I don't know whether I I regret it. Um, I think I've I've just got to lean into it. It is quite humiliating. I, um, before my clerkship, my mum took me to Birkenhead Point. For those of you who aren't from Sydney, this is a outlet shopping centre. And she took me to get some shoes for my clerkship. Um, I have quite large feet, so often outlet centres are really good and we found a pair in in my beastly size and it came in several colours. So this was Jackpot. like Christmas come early. <laughs> I got them in pink, navy, black. Like I got three pairs of these things. Incredible. Anyway, so I, I rock up and I'm – I reckon I look like a 21st century fox. I'm wearing like this, all, everything is brand new starch like everywhere <laughs> and these shoes. And the minute that the shoes hit the, the carpet in Allen's for some reason, they make this like kind of outrageously loud clicking noise every time I walk. And I kind of thought, okay, I was an hour in, I was like, this clerkship goes for like three months. Like there's no way I'm getting other shoes. Like I've got my shoes now. I've you just got, got three sets of them. I've got three sets. So I just was like, I'm just going to have to make this part of my personal brand. I'm going to be that clicky girl. And I walk around. <laughs> but I, I, I think at one point I decided to try and mitigate the sound by walking a different way, which then I reckon ultimately had the effect of people thinking that the clicking was coming maybe from my hips. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, that was the mark that I left um, in my clerkship. So do I regret it? Probably um, probably not. Uh, I still got the shoes. Do you still wear them? I don't. I don't. But I don't have the heart to throw them away. Can you wear them one day? I want to hear how loud do it is. Do you know is. what I will? Can you wear, wear them, them tomorrow? You. I'll be in tomorrow. I will. Okay, I'll wear them for you tomorrow. I love that. Yeah. Like you've got to lean in. You got it. You got it. You got to embrace who you are. I kind of would like to see like that clicky gal be your personal brand forever. Like you could put it in your email signature. Like <laughs> the clicker. The clicker. 
I think this is really a lesson to all clerks that don't worry about being weird on your first day because you you will be, but you will survive. You will be. And you know what? You will be, but like truly no one else will notice. Like you think that the whole world is going to cave in around you and that every person on the floor is staring at you, but like actually people are at work, so they're doing their jobs and not worrying about that kid that's sitting out there often. Yeah, exactly. You are not the main character in everyone's life, very <laughs> as, sadly. As much as we we think you are personally, <laughs> Realistically, you are you are part of a wider operation here. Yeah. So just when chill I out. my first day at Allen's when I was doing the clerkship, I got off the train at Wynyard and I was like Elle Woods arriving at Harvard. <laughs> I was just like, yes, this is my moment. There's like people flooding around me, and I was like, I look amazing in my corporate wear. I didn't. It was like way too big. I look really gangly, and I look at pictures now of then, and I'm like. Oh goodness! No, but you gotta you gotta oh, embrace those moments of pride and and live with them as well. Yeah, I think yeah. Well, I take back the question of regret. It's not about regretting. It's just about embracing, embracing all your little quirks, yeah. being the main character in your life only, yeah, not yeah, everyone yeah. else's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's maybe moving back to the you know formal professional side of Alan's <laughs> doing our actual jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Questions from long-time listeners, first-time callers. Mm. In a difficult week, what keeps you motivated when work is being really busy, maybe having a hard time? Uh, what keeps your spirits up? I think for me, you know, sometimes you got a lot on, right? It happens and you don't always feel like doing it. That, that also really happens to me quite a lot. But when it does happen, you think, God, how am I possibly going to get through this? You kind of think like I am part of a team, you know, I've got a little piece of work. It's my work. Um, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And you kind of feel, I think, a bit motivated and heartened by like, I want to do this for everyone else. You know, I know they're doing their bit for me and I don't want to let them down. And I think knowing that you're part of a team and, you know, part of a really supportive team, like people are going to check in on you. They want you to be feeling well and happy and enjoying work. So that sense of, I think, teamwork and camaraderie for me is really helps me to push through because it's kind of like, yeah, I want to do the right thing by you guys. Like you're always doing the right thing by me. That makes me feel way better. And like, I've told this story in the podcast before, you know, I had some crazy night where I had to do this thing and I just panicked and started crying. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm never going to be able to do this. And then, you know, it was my friends who came to the rescue and we all got it done together. And it's like, yeah, in those moments, someone else lifted me up and kept me going. So I like to keep pushing forward because there's going to be a moment where I'm the person who lifts someone else up and we keep going together. And I really like that sense of like team, I guess. Mm. Yeah, totally. Caitlin, what about you? Yeah, I'd I'd echo that. I think like any any industry or or any kind of work um, that involves teams and that involves kind of hard deadlines, sometimes long hours um, and and intense cognitive loads, I suppose, um, knowing that other people are relying on you um, and that your work is valuable and needed is something that – I suppose, gets me over the line when uh, it's at the 11th hour and I don't have much energy left. It's it's the idea that it, you play a pretty critical role in a team, no matter how junior or senior you are. Um, and then the other thing I think is is the fact that particularly in, in litigation, in, in the area of law that I'm currently in, um, there can be quite big bursts of activity, um, which mean that you might have a pretty intense week. And knowing that that's not permanent is really helpful as well, because then the next week it can really drop off. So it's a lot less consistent than perhaps some other jobs that I've had, but that's a great thing as well. Um, you can be working really, really full on. And then the next week you might, you know, be able to leave earlier than normal working day or, or come in later or take time to kind of just 
chill out after a, a pretty a pretty big week. Um, so that sense of yeah, n- nothing is forever helps too. Um, but yeah, I would say exactly the same as Geneva. The number one thing is the people you work with. Definitely. I think working towards those deadlines, especially in litigation where often they're set by courts, they're kind of set far in advance and you know exactly when they're going to be, working towards that and in the team, as you said, Geneva, kind of gives you a bit of optimism. It's like, okay, we're nearly there or you know how far along in that project you are such that you know that, you know, afterwards your team's going to go out for lunch the next week or, you know, there's going to be something positive to look forward to. I think that even simple things like that make it a lot easier to kind of cope with some of those long weeks uh, on matters that might blow up at, you know, the last minute or Mm. you get a short deadline or things like that. But yeah, definitely. I think the value of having friends and people you like in, in around you, especially at a firm like Allen's with so many different types of personalities, it's bound to be someone you like, make it so much easier to work on those long weeks, I think. The other thing too is, you know, you work on these projects and it doesn't really matter what team you're in. They might go for months. They might go for years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of cool because you, you might get to the end of it and you read about it in the newspaper or something. Yeah, Your exactly. friends message you and you're like, oh, I saw Allen's did this. Like, were you part of it? And yeah. you kind of think, yeah, I was part of that. Yeah. You should be messaging me looking for the goss, which it I can't give you. Yeah. <laughs> I did this by myself. It was I a team this. of one. I'm really surprised the newspaper haven't mentioned my name. I don't know. I'll just call the editor. Yeah, yeah. I'll just let them know that yeah. um, this level person was the one yeah. who engineered the whole thing. But, you know, that in itself is also extremely oh, satisfying. Oh, it's super fulfilling. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's been like one of the, the major things this year for me, working on a few matters that have had like pretty big public interest aspects. And like that's the reason that, you're here. That's the reason you go to to law school is to be a part of um, of that space and and to try and work out um, well at least in litigation to resolve disputes, but also to um, work with people to work out what's right and what's wrong. And that's super exciting. I think you know a long night might happen once or twice, but then at the end of the day, um, if you can look back and say I was part of that, that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. For our final question, someone has written in and asked, how frequently do you lean on your relationship with people in other practice groups? Geneva, we'll start with you. Uh, Often, I would say. I think one of the great things about you come through the grad program, you form these really great relationships with people and then you sort of move around the firm to different places and then you end up settling in different places. So your cohort is like, you know, spread out across every group. Um, So, you know, I've had a matter recently that's been sort of M&A type work and I don't know a lot about that. So, uh, you know, there's been a few times where I've had to put in a call or a Teams message to my friend to be like, hey, what does this word mean? I've Googled it and I still don't really get it. And then she tells me in two seconds and I'm like, ah, I see. This is why you're a good lawyer. Um, But being able to do that, I think, and this is one of the benefits of, you know, sort of a big firm. There's lots of expertise that you can really tap into. Mm. And so instead of me spending 15 hours doing research into some area of law that I really don't need to have a super deep knowledge of for the specific question that I have to just pick up the phone and get the answer in five minutes is pretty special. And I think um, what's great is that they're your relationships, you know, and it's your network and you think I haven't had to escalate this or, you know, turn it into a big drama. Like I've just gone out, I've found the answer and now I'm going to move on with my day. So I I sort of have pretty regular contact with people in groups for that exact reason in that it's just more efficient for me. It's more efficient for our clients and it's you know, it's a really nice reflection of our cohort and where yeah. we've all ended up. Yeah. I think it's it's almost um, a nice reflection of I'd like to think um, 
the legal profession more broadly. I'd like to think that in in years to come, um, when I when I become a grown up, um, that I'll be able to call my friends who are solicitors, maybe at Allen's, maybe in other places, and um, you know, when I get a client or or a query or maybe some distant uncle at a barbecue asking me about his neighbor's fence, I can pick up the phone and find a lawyer with that kind of expertise. And I love that. I love the idea of that camaraderie um, in the profession. How about you, Will? Yeah, definitely. There's been a few times that I've seen on one of the corporate matters, more corporate matters that I work on that the partner in my matter says, oh, I think so-and-so in this team, like actually did a matter kind of like this. Maybe I'll just like pick up the phone and we'll jump on a call with him. And you see, even at the most senior levels, that that is still a thing that mm. is happening because they started in the same grad group together, like, you know, 10 years ago, and they're still using the same thing. Um, but personally, I, you know, just even in interpersonal context, I really like having the other grads just being social with them. I mean, we have a very lukewarm ability social netball team with many people in banking and finance and other teams in the firm that we haven't really got to see recently um, just because of COVID. And, you know, you often just interact with people in your own practice group. And I very much missed having a broad connection of friends in other teams just because, you know, they do think differently to you. They do have different personalities that are naturally attracted to other teams. Mm. And it is really fun to hang out with those people and get to know them as well. And that was one of the really one of the big parts of what drew me to Allen's was having a large grade cohort with really interesting people. Caitlin, have you had the same experience in some of your matters? Yeah, I have. Um, I think particularly with pro bono matters, it's really helpful uh, because people just have a great attitude towards that. They, um, if I was to, you know, sometimes you get quite broad or, or random requests come through um, and that aren't necessarily tailored to the specific area of law that you might be in. And I'll pick up the phone and call friends um, in TMT. Like I had one the other day where um, a privacy pro bono matter came through and I was able to just pick up the, f- the phone to um, someone that we clerked with in our technology team um, and and they were able to assist with that privacy request. So it, it's a super useful resource and um, something that I definitely hope I'll continue to tap into. Yeah, and I think actually, Will, that point about partners is so true. I think partners more than anyone tap into that because it's so easy for them to say, oh, I know who knows exactly about this area and they sort of refer matters around. And uh, I mean, it's such a great part of being part of a network like this that we get to, you know, have so much experience and expertise in one place. Like, I think that's really valuable and special. And when you're junior, to learn from that is incredible. I think you just learn so much every day without even necessarily knowing that you're doing it, which is great. Yeah. So I think that's all the questions. I'm sort of like extending it out because I don't want to let go. Um, but, you know, what a privilege it's been to be on the podcast. It's been so fun. Thank you, everyone who's listened for my tenure on it. And I'm so pleased to be leaving the podcast in such wonderful and capable hands. So Caitlin and Will, all the best. And everyone else, tune in next time for the new rebranded Alan's Confidential. Thanks, Geneva. It's been absolutely amazing having you hand over this baby of yours. And uh, we very much look forward to having you on as a frequent guest. (laughs) A special guest. Creative consultant, I think. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone. Tune in next time. Thanks, guys.